Thank you for tuning in to today's audio message. Here at Temple Baptist Church, we are a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Words. You hear them every day. They're all around us. They surround us. You've heard them again and you'll heard them before and you'll hear them again words you're you're hearing them right now words come in all shapes and sizes there are kind words and mean words he said he said she said words peaceful words angry Come and buy some words. Thanks for trying. Words. Some words bless. And others distress. Some words can tell a lie. And others, well, they glorify. But in all things, we know this. There is power in words. A simple phrase can change your entire life. I'm sorry, but the cancer has returned. Words can celebrate new beginnings. Therese, will you marry me? Or mourn the passing of a loved one? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember our dear friend. Words can celebrate new life. Congratulations, she's a beautiful baby girl. From the simple words of a child. Good night, mommy. I love you. To the most profound words ever spoken words of God. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden I will give you rest. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I no longer call you friend, us servants, but friends. Friends. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. There is power in words. Let's pray. And Father, this morning, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for already what we have heard 
through music this morning. You're a holy God. And our desire is that you would be high and lifted up today. And Lord, I pray, as we look into your word, that the truths of your word would challenge us to where we are right now. And God, I pray that we will leave differently than the way we came in. God, I pray that we would never be guilty of just being hearer of the word, but not a doer. So, Lord, take our time this morning and do what only you can do with your word. Mold us, shape us, that our faith will be authentic and genuine, we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, everyone. It really is good to see you. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, being here and sharing part of your weekend with us. Uh, We're in a series called Every Day, and we're walking through the book of James, and what we're trying to discover is how do you live your faith out day after day? I mean, how do you take your faith to the streets? And that's what James has been talking about this whole time. In fact, I've had people say to me, Donald, Donald, whoa, 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 whoa. This book that you're going through, it seems a little extreme. It almost seems unrealistic. Can anyone really live that way? And, and, I, and I completely understand why somebody would ask that kind of question. Especially when you're reading through the book of James, and James says, hey, hey, count it all joy. When you have various trials in your life. I mean, that, come on, that just seems weird. That seems odd. It's no wonder people ask those kind of questions. Is this book even realistic? And if you missed any part of the series, you can always go to our website and get caught up. But James is the kind of guy who just says what is on his mind. Maybe you know people like that. They just say it as it is. And sometimes when you're reading through the book, you're like, ooh, James, should you be saying that? That seems a little tough right there. But one of the things he talks about is that though you are saved, we're, we're, we're saved by faith alone. Remember, he says, faith is never alone. It is always accompanied with something. James says that our talk should match our walk. Our, our, our declaration should be seen in our demonstration. James says we're saved by faith, but remember faith is never alone. There should be signs, like, there should be evidences that you are actually a genuine follower of Jesus, not just a fan but genuine. And James jumps from topic to topic to topic, and no doubt this book has got to be the most practical book in all of the Bible. It isn't deep in theology. You don't read it and scratch your head and wonder, what in the world is he talking about? No, you read this, and then you sit in your chair and you go, oh, I understand that. Uh, That was like hitting me in the side of the face. What am I going to do with that now? James says, conduct shows who you really are. So often, Christianity has a lack of credibility because there's no changes in people's lives. Your actions don't save you, but they do demonstrate that there has been life change. But genuine faith is not just theology and religious talk. In many ways, the reality, it's a lifestyle too. Because God changes you. Well, today's topic is one of those things that you don't just deal with yearly, 
or monthly, or weekly, or daily. It's something you deal with minute by minute by minute. James is going to be talking about the tongue, that two-ounce mucous membrane. And boy, does it ever pack a punch. It's petite, but it's powerful. There's some serious octane behind it. In addition, James says, we are told if we do not get a hold of it, if we don't get it under control, what happens? It can kill, it can maim, it can injure, it can destroy people. A lot of power in what we possess in the tongue. This, the Bible describes it as an uh, uncontrollable fire, an instrument of evil, full of As James wants us to help us to live out our faith every day, especially, especially in the area of our tongue. So let's get ready. Let's dig right into it. And if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or some kind of electronic device that you can follow along with, turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. It seems as though there's an argument going around. Uh, as, as you we've said before, there's uh, persecution is at all-time high, and, and Christians are on the run, and, and it seems as though there's this argument going around, and James is going to address it. It's like people want to teach. Well, he taught last week. I want to teach this week. When is it going to be my turn to teach? And James says, well, you better be very careful, because when you teach, when you speak, and when you talk, you're going to be held, actually, at a higher accountability. So be careful. James says. Now remember, as I said, James is writing to persecuted Christians, and, and many of them have been ostracized. You know, they, they can't even go to the synagogue anymore. Some of them have lost their jobs. Uh, they've lost friends. And, uh, and I think there's been some snipping going around with one another. And so that's why James seems to be addressing an issue that is among Christians. Because what comes out of our mouths? James can get you in a lot of trouble. It seems every time, every time we open our mouth, we have the potential to wreak or cause havoc. And that's why the Bible says, if you find someone who's made no mistake in their speech, you have found a perfect person. So with that, let's pick it up in James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now many of you should presume... Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man 
and tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt water spring produce fresh water. Oh, the power of the tongue. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power, has the power of life and death. You have the ability to breathe life into people. But you also have the ability to kill people. With what you say. The ability to, well, we know words can destroy a family. We've seen it. Words can destroy a marriage can kill a career, can cause tension at the workplace, can create hostility in the neighborhood. The power of words, the power of the tongue. I'm sure most of us learned this phrase when we were a young child, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie. What a lie that we let our kids believe. Because we know sticks and stones will break our bones. In six to eight weeks, we're going to be healed and on our way. But we know words can be a, leave scars for a lifetime. And Tony Evans, pastor in Dallas, Texas, says a formidable power dwells within each of us. The power has changed the course of nature, nations. It's capable of starting and ending wars. It has made men rich and women famous. It has the means to commend or corrupt, to bless or to blame. It is the power of the tongue. And James says in 119, we're to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. There's a little bit of rhythm actually in that. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now when I took piano lessons, my piano teacher always said, Donald, you have, uh, you have no rhythm. Eight years I took piano. Eight years. He said, don't you feel the music? And I go, I feel it. Feel it. I don't know what you mean. I don't have rhythm. I have all kinds of rhythm. And I read that and I, and I, and I see quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's like quick, slow, slow, quick, slow. Sounds like a waltz. Quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. That's what James is saying here. There's kind of a rhythm to this whole thing. Now, I know when it comes to the tongue, some of you are able to do amazing tricks with your tongue. You fold it in half, you twist it, you roll it up, you can do, make all kinds of sounds with it. I have a friend, Mark Forty, it amazes me. He can take the stems of, from a cherry and put it in his mouth in less than 10 seconds, have that thing or not. And he spits them out and does another one. It's amazing what he's able to do with his tongue. And I thought maybe this morning we could do a little test, too, with our tongue. Um... Just need to get a microphone and maybe get a couple of volunteers. I love volunteers. Because usually I just pick them out. Greg, do you want to come up here just for a second? You and Nate, come on up here for a second. No, you too. Come on up. Yeah, yes, both of you. Okay. I want to 
check how well we use our tongues. So I'm going to start with you first. All I want you to do is say this. You can just speak it right into the mic. Okay? Hold it. Yeah. Clean clams crammed in clean cans. Okay. Can you say it just, just a little faster? Clean clams crammed in clean cans. That's actually good. If you could just do it a little faster, I'd appreciate it. Clean clams crammed in clean cans. Oh, you are good with that tongue of yours. I do it for a living. Oh, you do it for a living. Okay, maybe you could try this one. Picky people pick Peter Pan peanut butter. Tis the peanut butter picky people pick. Very good. Can you just speed that up a little bit? Picky people pick Peter Pan peanut butter. Tis the peanut butter picky people pick. Whoa, this guy's a master with his tongue. Thank you, guys. <laughs> good job. When James says... To speak slowly, right? Listen. Be quick to listen and speak slowly. He doesn't mean slowly speak. He's just saying, take a moment before you speak. James actually says that all of us need a tongue tamer. Not some of us, not most of us. All of us need a tongue tamer. Now, you may say to me, you mean James Becker, our executive pastor, needs a tongue tamer? Yeah. You mean Pastor Dave Lane, our family pastor, needs a tongue tamer? Yeah. You mean that sweet, bubbly, perky children's director, Catherine Reyes, needs a tongue tamer? She especially needs one. <laughs> Donald, you need, a, you need a tongue tamer? No, I don't need a tongue tamer. I need a zookeeper to keep this wild animal behind bars at times. James tells us there's a reason why we need to have a tongue tamer. Because we stumble. And we stumble in many ways. The word stumble means someone who has a tongue so large they, they trip over it. And probably... If most of us were honest, we would say some of our biggest regrets are the hurtful words that we have said. And wish we could just suck them back. Do you know who has the largest tongue? And it's nobody here, by the way. I'm not going to point anybody. It's the blue whale. 300,000 pound whale has a 2.7 ton tongue. The giraffe, the giraffe's tongue so long it can lick out its ear. And I went to the superstore to buy a cow's tongue. This is what the butcher said. Oh, we have a hard time keeping those in stock. I go, there's people that buy, how many people here buy a cow's tongue? What? You're the reason why there's never any supply in the store then. There was none. For example, so I thought I would bring something that maybe is a little more 21st century tongue. What I have is maybe a little old-fashioned, it's a little older. It's about eight inches, about eight inches wide and probably about 24 inches long. This is probably one of the, the biggest tongues around. It's the keyboard. We text, we tweet, we Facebook, 
we use all kinds of social media. And it's so easy, isn't it, to get behind a keyboard and say something nasty without actually ever having a conversation. Now, that's old-fashioned. The new, the new and improved is only, you know, a keyboard that's about two inches wide. So quick, eh? Send. Send. Now, honestly, I'm not, a, I'm not really a big social media person. But when I occasionally do go on, and I'll read something that somebody said, I'm like, whoa, I can't believe they said that. And then sometimes I read something, and I'll read like, whoa, that person is from our church. I mean, it's like it's out there for the whole world to see. And they go, whatever happened to what we were taught, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Whatever happened to that principle that they will know that we are Christians by our love. Hmm. It has become quite the mouthpiece for so many of us. I was talking to a teenager who told me last month she texted 5,000 texts. 5,000. That is a lot. A lot of people, a lot of texting. Maybe some of you would say, oh, she's an amateur. I do far more than that. Here's what uh, I've discovered. The tongue exposes hypocrisy. The tongue exposes. It will expose our hypocrisy. In Proverbs 17, 28, it says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Canadian proverb. It is better to remain silent than be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. You know, somebody like, oh, they don't say anything. They don't know anything. They start talking about you. Oh, no, far better. Far better. There's power in the tongue. The tongue has the power to direct your entire life. I, I love how James has all these word pictures. He's so good at painting this for us. And he, and he talks about uh, this horse. And, you know, you look at horses, and, you know, some of those are weighing, like, 2,000 pounds. They're big animals. And it only takes a little thing about six inches, eight inches wide, a little bit of a, a bit that you put in a horse's mouth, and it controls the whole animal, the entire animal. You can stop the animal. You can turn left. You can turn right. You can do circles. You can back the animal up. All from this tiny little bit. It has power. And just like the tongue. Small. But it has power. To control your whole life. If you ever go down by the bridge, I love going down by the bridge on my fries and watching those big ships go by, coming out of the lake down the St. Clair River, and you're going, some of them are huge. And you think, man, you would think that it would take some kind of a massive instrument to guide that ship. I mean, the winds blow, the rain pours, and yet it's just a little rudder that controls that whole thing. Controls the direction of the ship. The Bible says our tongue is just like a rudder. It controls your whole life, where you're going to go. 
has the power to direct the tongue. It also has the power to destroy. The power to destroy. It's another great word picture that he paints for us. I was reading this week actually about the great Chicago fire in 1871. said it did $222 million worth of damage in 1871. In today's economy, about $4 billion. It killed 300 people, left 100,000 people homeless. It burned down 17,500 buildings. And you know what's amazing? It all started with this. It's so tiny. Like this is so tiny. And yet it's so destructive. And something like this, small, can burn down a facility like this. And yet we have the ability to snap it right in half. And yet the damage that it causes. I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I was uh, boarding at someone's home. And actually Pastor Glenn was boarding there too. And and uh, I looked out my window, way in the distance, I could see a little bit of black smoke. And I thought, oh, maybe a farmer is burning his field or something. And I never gave it another thought. And then about an hour later, I looked out the window, and it was a big block of smoke. And I thought, oh, I wonder if the fields got out of control or something. Never really gave it much thought. And literally, about an hour later, I looked out the window, and I, I can begin to see in the distance, like, flames. But it's so far away. Oh, that's one thing I'll never get here. And it took about an hour and a half later. And that was right across the street from where I was living. But I remember thinking, I'm safe because I got the, this wide road that separates me from the fire. And just when I was thinking that, a big gush of wind came. And those flames literally went across the roads, caught the trees on fire, the lawn on fire, and we just quickly evacuated as quick as we could. And it all started because some kid was playing with a little match. Like, how can something that small cause that much damage? And yet it does. This two-ounce mucous membrane can cause a, a great amount of damage. No wonder, James says, all of us need a tongue tamer. And if we get our tongues under control, we can direct our whole life. Now, some of you are here today, I think you would say, if you're honest, you would say, yeah, my marriage, um, I wrecked my marriage because of my tongue. And some of you may say, I think I might have caused a lot of, a lot of hurt to my daughter's life because of my tongue. Some of you may feel like your whole self-esteem is messed up because of the words of a, of a coach or a teacher or a parent. Oh, the power of the tongue. I don't know about you, but you know what? My sin nature loves when the tongue is like an uncontrollable fire. It loves it. My sin nature tells me, oh, go ahead and share those secrets. My sin nature says, hey, go and slander some people. Share a little bit of gospel. Gossip. Our tongues are like sparks. Because a fire, in fact, it says like a fire from hell. But once I allow the Lord to, to install a tongue tamer and leverage my words for good, for, for something that's valuable, what a difference it makes. 
I don't know, do you know any verbal arsonist? You know, where you're in a conversation and someone just kind of lights a little match and throws it in the conversation before, you know, the whole thing is enveloped into flames. I think we probably have all encountered a verbal arsonist. We, have people, we know people probably like to boil words slowly. And the smoke from all the negative words begin to ruin lives. You know, I have the power, really, to ruin the calling that I feel like God has on my life. I mean, you have the power to rip me right apart, if you want. Well, I guess I have the power to do the same. Rip people apart. You know, this tongue, it can mess up a company. It can split a church. It can make a mess in a school. And divide a team. You name it, it can mess it up. That's the kind of power that all of us possess here. Look at verse 7. It talks about how all kinds of animals can be tamed. I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a dolphin show or a whale show or a bird show or a dog show or a horse show or an elephant show. Like It's amazing. The, I don't know if you've ever been to the Animal Kingdom at Disney, but those, those bird shows, amazing. The next thing you know, there's a bird flying about an inch and a half on the top of your head, and then there's mice going across the stage doing a little dance with their costumes. And then dogs are on the hind ends, you know, doing the little jive. Like, it's, it's incredible. That's what James says. You can, you can tame all kinds of animals. I mean, you look at a lion tamer. He's able to make the lion lie down. An elephant tamer can cause an elephant to get up on its hind legs and hold you inside of its trunk. Uh, dolphin trainers can ride a dolphin like it's a sea dew. It's amazing. And God says man can control all kinds of animals, but it can't control the tongue. Mm-mm. God says, no man, no man. It's an incredible thing, eh? Nobody can control it. That's why it's so important we get a handle on it. Look at verse 8. It says, it's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. The king cobra can grow up to about 22 feet long. I don't like anything bigger than a worm, you know, that goes across. I, that makes even me nervous to have something like that. But the cobra is a huge, massive um, snake. A simple bite can take down a, a large animal. You know, the black mamba is deadly, but boy, not compared to the cobra. It kills five times faster. It can kill a human within minutes with just a bite. Now, it's interesting, not all poison immediately kills. Oftentimes, you get a tingling feeling first, and then a dizziness, then erratic heartbeat, and then loose muscle control. And that's the way poison can be oftentimes in church. There's sometimes not an immediate reaction, but it's just enough poison just begins to cause problems over time, because of people's words. And James says that's so true about the tongue. You can spit out poison like you've never seen before. That's the tongue. 
And do you know what? In Sarnia, in Sarnia, there's actually a lot of verbal vipers. It's even possible. It's even possible. There could be even verbal vipers among us. You see, verbal vipers like to gossip. You know, you think of a snake going to the grass. I kind of picture that with with a snake. He loves to gossip. And interesting how often it is disguised under prayer. We really need to pray for Mary. Why? Oh, haven't you heard? Her whole life is a mess. Oh, you need to pray for that Bob. Yep, he's a doozy. Under this whole auspice of prayer. James 119, remember what it says? Be slow to speak. Honestly, sometimes, I'm guilty by the way, sometimes we talk too much. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs twenty nineteen. A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Some verbal vipers specialize in slander. Slander is when you tell the truth for the purpose of hurting someone. And the thing is, all slander is not vocal. Sometimes slander is silent. You know, sometimes you can be in a conversation and somebody is being ripped apart and you say nothing. And in your silence, we slander. Here's another verbal viper tactic. Love to share secrets. You know, you tell, you tell them something and you can almost put a stopwatch how long it takes for them to get to the megaphone to tell others. And be guaranteed, if, if they're telling you other people's secrets, they're telling your secrets. Another way that we spread poison is lying. You know, sometimes it's just can be an easy thing. You know, you you know you're going fifty kilometers over the speed limit and the police pulls you over and he says, Do you know why I pulled you over? No officer. Is my taillight broken? Right? So subtle, isn't it? So subtle. But it happens in church as well. Where people will say something that isn't really true. Aristotle said, honesty is more than uploading everything to everyone. It's speaking the right truth to the right person at the right time in the right way for the right reason. It's powerful. Other pieces of poison that a verbal viper may have. According to James, 
is a chronic complainer. Just kind of criticizes everything. Nothing is good enough. Just criticizes. Critical. Always judging. Always saying there's this not good enough. Psalms 39 one says, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I love this. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. When we speak carelessly, I think sometimes we think we can take it back. But it's like when you put too much toothpaste on your toothbrush. You're like, oh, I'm going to get that toothpaste in that tube again. Or you put too much gel, hair gel, or sunscreen. Like, ooh, it's too much. You wish you could just put it back in the tube, but you can't do it. That's the way it is with words, isn't it? Sometimes it just comes out all over the place. And you wish you could squeeze it back in. And you can confess and you can ask for forgiveness and try to make things right. But oftentimes those flames will continue to flicker for a long time. Because of words. If there's a verbal viper loose in our bodies, James is just telling us to kill it. Kill it. So James also says the tongue has the power to disguise you look at verse 9 there. Now, here's the tension. Here's the contrast. Um, James, and let's just stop it right here. James is addressing Christians who out of one side of their mouth are praising God, and on the other side of their mouth, they're cursing men. You know, on one side of their mouth, they're, they're in church, and they're like, Oh, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. Singing. And then go out through those doors and get in a fight with somebody in the parking line. See, see James is saying, uh, this is what's happening in this day and age. It's like, they're praising God and then they're, they're going to go, I hate those Romans, those blasted Romans. Uh, things don't change over time. Here we're in the 21st century. We can be guilty of doing the very, the very same thing. Come to church, do all the church stuff, go right in the parking lot and talk about people. James says, that's not a sign of a genuine follower of Jesus. Now sometimes, you know, we, we come and we sing, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, thy great Redeemer praise. We're singing, we go to the car. Our wife's late. Get in the car. I told you I hate waiting around for you when you're in there talking. Kids, would you just shut up? The man who was speaking this morning gave me a headache. I can't stand it. Right? I don't know. You can Maybe you can correct me on this. I, I'm just trying to figure this out. But Do you think that when we curse men and women that maybe we're making a mockery out of God's creation. If you curse me or I curse you, am I saying God's creation is worthless and it just makes junk?
we do when someone cuts in front of us? Because sometimes we don't use our mouth. We use sign language. Oh, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Without ever a word coming out of our mouth. It says a lot. And James is just is trying to tell us that as a genuine follower of Jesus, if, if, if your faith is authentic, it should show up in your speech. Remember, it's not about perfection. It's just, it's about progress. So how we spoke, how I spoke a year ago should be a little different than how I speak now. I, 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 my grandparents, as long as I was ever born, or when I was born, they were, they were born again uh, Christians. And, um, but my mom tells me, my mom was the first one saved in her family. She was 13, but her parents got saved. And I remember her telling me one time that my grandfather had a, you know, pretty colorful tongue, which I've never known that because I've only known him as a Christian. And I, that was one thing I remember her saying to me that when, when Papa, when Papa came to know the Lord, that was the one thing that, wow, changed like that. It wasn't even a gradual friend. It was like, bang, it was gone. It was just a radical change, and it really showed up um, in his speech. And so James is just telling us, really, how we talk should match how we walk. Whatever we're declaring, we should be demonstrating. Not perfection, right? It's not about perfection, but it is about growing. In our faith. Look at verse 11 and 12. The tongue is like a bucket that dips down into the heart, which is our well. And our tongue reveals what is deep down inside. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so James is saying, it's time we get serious. Those of you who want to develop an authentic faith, it ought to be seen how we talk. So that's why we pray, God, put a tongue tamer on, on my heart, my mind, my, my mouth. If you're anything like me, and I think most of us are very similar, We've got to figure out a way to fight this infection of poison that's in our tongue. And we can't control it. We've already been told that. But God can. And sometimes I think we just need to get serious and just surrender our tongue to him. We need to guard our mouths. You know, I think many of us learn this little proverb as a child. If you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. We've heard that since we've been little kids. If you can't think of anything nice to say, then don't, don't say anything. As simple as that. We oftentimes just need to take a second before we speak we need to guard our mouths. We need to be intentional with our words. And we need to speak words of life, 
like life-giving words. Remember what I said there? We read that verse, Proverbs 18.21, right? The, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. You know, sometimes people can be married so long they forget to say, I love you anymore. You know, I said, well, I, I said it 60 years ago when I got married. I haven't changed my mind, so I don't need to say it again. Right? That, that, that just speaks words of life. I love you. I love you. What about just words like, I forgive you? That can break a man, can it? I forgive you. Or, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry. I think we need to take ownership of how we speak. You know, I think the devil's got enough blame. Sometimes we say, oh, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. The devil didn't make you do it. It comes what comes in the heart. It's just an outpouring of the heart. You know, what about a dad who says to his son, I am really proud of you. That's speaking life. Or a mom, you know, saying to her daughter, I really believe in you. Those are words of life. Or thank you. Or I am really, I'm praying for you. Like I really am praying for you. See, you can speak life into people, but you can also speak death into people. But I think the reality, the real problem is not so much our tongue. Is about 18 inches lower than the tongue. And it's the heart. And that's why in Matthew 12, 34, it says, out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our hearts are angry and selfish and dishonest, that's exactly the speech that's going to come out. But if our hearts are healthy, it will spring forth refreshing waters. A hopeful heart. A loving heart. So the question is, what does your heart reveal? What does it reveal? The very first sermon I ever preached was 11 years old. 11. And uh, I had an orange in my hand. And I said, those who are listening, I said, if I squeeze this orange, what is going to come out? And of course, everyone yells out, you know, orange shoes, orange shoes. I said, no, no, no. Actually, ink is going to come out. And they're like, ink? I said, yes, because I have put ink into this orange, and so when the pressure gets on that orange, that's what's going to come out. And then I asked the question again. Put it in this hand. I said, if I squeeze the orange with this hand, what's going to come out? People said, orange juice, ink? I go, no, actually molasses. Come on, how can molasses come out of an orange? I said, because that's what I put in the orange. And that's the same with our hearts. Whatever we feed our hearts and our mind and soul, that's what's going to come out. So if we're feeding dishonesty and distrust and anger and selfishness, that's what comes out when the pressure is on. That's what's going to come out. So if, if you have a healthy heart and you're feeding the right things, 
But when the pressure comes, that's what's going to come out. You're going to have the ability to breathe life into people instead of kill them. When we say words that are affirming, kind, gentle, it is like we are speaking a blessing into someone's life. You know, you read through the New Testament, you know why so many people were attracted to Jesus? Especially with how he talked to the outcasts of society. He spoke words that were so full of grace. They were encouraging, they were gentle, they were kind, and they just flocked to him. Breathing words of life into people. Listen, God loved you so much. He loved you so much. He wrote down words of blessing to us. Truth that would help you through the day. Words that would encourage you. Words that would affirm you. Words that will give you strength on the journey ahead. Words that will grow your life. He wrote them down and he signed them. Here are some words that he writes. Come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy, I'll give you a rest. He says, you don't have to live in fear because I will never leave you. You don't have to be lonely because I'm right beside you. I'm full of grace and there are mercies new every morning. I'll catch you when you stumble. I'll run to you when you fall. I'll mount you up with wings of eagles. I can be your hiding place, your tower of refuge, your refuge for those long, long dark nights. Those are words that just breathe life into us. And so this morning, James is just trying to say, this everyday faith of yours, is it seen in your tongue, in the way that you talk? Is, there, is it different than it was a year ago or five years ago? Like, because authentic faith matures and it grows and it develops so you're not the same person you, you once were. It's something we deal with every day of our lives, the tongue. It's an everyday faith. And, and our tongues, our tongues, your tongue, my tongue, literally this week, literally this week, our tongues can breathe life into people who are hurting, discouraged, downtrodden. You come along and you speak words of life. And sometimes a person's entire perspective can change. Or you can pull somebody down really, really easy. By the way, you speak. What's it going to be this week? Thanks for tuning in this morning. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, I encourage you to join us live Sunday mornings at 1030. For address, directions, and any more information, you can check us out online at templebaptist.com. God bless and have a great week. Shine like the sun.